intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you all right sounds good Welcome to another episode of the Dog on a Trucking Podcast. My name is Chris Harris, and I'm joined this week by Brendan. Brendan Dawson, welcome to the Dog on a Trucking Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you, Chris, and thanks for the honor of uh, being on your on your on your show today. Hey, it, it's perfect. I'm I'm so excited. I we met a couple of years ago more than a couple, four or five years ago when you came to Canada for the um, Truck, Truck World, World. Uh, trade show. That's when mm -hmm. we first met. And then That's right. most recently, I saw you on a podcast. Ah. Um, Cassandra Gaines. And Matt Gaines, yep. I will put the, the link to this episode, to her episode in the show notes below because it was a great watch. Um uh, just to, for the listeners and the viewers, there was a lawyer, there was Brendan, and uh, Cassandra is a lawyer, is she not? She is a lawyer. She's uh, used to be on the defense council for Schneider National, and uh, she is now uh, focusing her own uh, consultancy, her own legal legal practice on uh, brokerage and cargo. And. The whole thing, the the three, and actually JD was there, and JD works for or works with Cassandra, and mm -hmm. it was a ton of fun. It was a great interview, talking about um, nuclear verdicts, I guess. But near the end, you dropped some bombs on there, and I want to get into that, but not right now. But I, you, you talked briefly about the driver trainer, and you That's talked right. briefly about truck driver pay. So. I want our viewers and our and our listeners to hang in there to listen to Brendan about those two subjects. But first, Brendan Dawson, who in the heck are you? Tell our listeners about yourself. Well, thank you, Chris. I, I am the founder and CEO of a company called Accident Plan. And Accident Plan is an accident management software that uh, enables the driver at the scene of an accident to take control of the situation control the narrative, control the claim. Because when when a trucking company gets in an accident or a driver gets in an accident, no matter what, the driver is always the first and often the only person on the scene. So we've built and created a tool to help that driver manage the situation, maintain custody and control of the data, and helps the motor carrier and their insurers to take an active position in the claim rather than a reactive position in the claim. All right, so you've got a software product revolving around collisions. What made you, or where did you get the idea from to do well, that? Where's the need? Well, here's the thing, Chris, is before I started this company, I was in the, I was the director of transportation for a company here in Denver called the Mobile TV Group. And we provided mobile broadcasting services to the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball. And so it was a really high-risk uh, high situation with very complicated logistics. 
And I was going through risk management review with our insurer, and uh, they asked me, they said, well, you're, you've got great loss runs, you're doing a great job, but what worries you? And I said, well, what worries me is how do you manage accidents? If, if it's my job to keep the company in a defensible position, and I've got somebody that's had an accident in some other part of the country, how am I supposed to deal with picking up this information and, and, and keeping the company in a defensible position? And their answer, Chris, if you'll be one second, was they sent me a big box of these. Everybody familiar with this? The accident kit? I yeah. see you're laughing there, Chris. And, and inside the kit is this disposable 35-millimeter camera and uh, a little plastic clipboard with some forms. And there may have been a golf pencil. And when I sent these out to all my trucks, when they would come back months later, I would find the the the, the zippered pouch full of nuts and bolts and fuses and spare lamps and things like that. And so the zippered pouch was actually more valuable than anything else. And I thought there's got to be a better way. There has to be a way to tie this information all together with technology and bring it to the risk management team right away rather than waiting weeks or days or months to get it. And so we built a software, a mobile software in the driver's hands we ask that driver questions, and when the driver answers a question or takes a picture or records an interview, all that data shoots straight back to the network so that the safety people, the risk management people like yourself, then have the opportunity to see it in real time and make real-time proactive defense decisions. So uh, describe a little bit more about the software and exactly how it works. You, you talked about it takes pictures. Yep. I, I'm assuming it replaced that clipboard and the golf pencil. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. It's all of your basic crash management practices, all of your best practices that uh, you're already teaching your clients. And we put it into uh, a mobile software so that all the driver has to do uh, when they when they when they first start the situation is scroll, swipe and tap. They uh we walk them through the entire process. I can show you right here. It's very simple. They simply tap. We ask them a question. That they uh, tap the answer, and then notifications go out to all the safety managers, all the risk people, all the insurance people, and then we just walk them through the situation with uh, – you know, making sure they've called 911, making sure we want to know whether they're injured or not. We want to know whether anybody else is injured. So we ask the question, they tap the answer, the answer shoots back to the network, and everybody's in the know at the same time. That's awesome. I mean, it's got to be a huge advantage to everyone. If I was managing an accident to know what the heck is going on, rather than having to wait uh, sometimes hours before I talk to the driver. Sure, you wait sometimes hours. And, and in fact, until that driver calls you, you don't even know that an accident has happened. And so that driver may, they, they, don't, they don't necessarily remember what they learned in training or in orientation because they're under a great deal of stress. Even in a minor collision, they're under a lot of stress. And the one thing I know that all drivers have in common is that they're human. 
And as humans, when we get under stress, our cognitive thought tends to go out the window and we rely on our primitive brain thinking, our fight or flight. So our job at Action Plan is to focus that driver's attention back onto the task at hand, re-engage those cognitive thoughts. So um, because in the past, it was all done by telephone interview. So imagine, Chris, you're on the phone and you're trying to take notes when the driver's on a cell connection in some other part of the country with the wind blowing and snow falling and uh, other people trying to talk to them and they're trying to give you information. So you're only taking down part of the information and you can't hear everything. And then the driver gets distracted somewhere else. Well, this now helps them focus on what they have to do. It's just a training manual with a, with a process that they just follow simply and get the best information because we believe that the defense starts now. It starts every day. Every time we turn the key to our truck or open the door to our shop, we should be thinking about that defense. And if we, if we start that every day, maybe we wouldn't be in such a serious insurance crisis right now. That's our philosophy, our tenant, our operating principles. So what, before we switch subjects, anything else we need to know about Accident Plan? And of course, we'll have a link to the website in the show notes below. So uh, if you want to find out more about Accident Plan, click the link down there. But Brendan, what else do we need to know? Well, here's the thing. You know, trucking, our, our industry, Chris, is now has now in recent years seen a great advent of technology. But what I've learned both as a user of the technology and a producer of the technology is the technology is only as good as the people behind it. And so what we're building on top of Accident Plan is an organization called the Trucking Defense Network, where all of the defenders of the trucking company, and I mean the, the risk managers, the safety people like yourself, the insurance carriers, the insurance brokers, the legal team, the forensics team, uh, all need to know this information at the same time. So we're linked, we're bringing these people into a group representing the motor carriers within the group so that uh, all of the appropriate people can respond at the same time. We've got investigative abilities where uh, for a, a a level three severity accident, our investigators can go out and draw a circle on the map around that. And then we will scan all social media that's taking place around that accident, further looking for additional witnesses, additional forensic evidence, locating traffic cameras, things like that. So we start building that defense file at the moment the accident happens. See. And that is what is missing so often in defense is the missed opportunities because we waited too damn long to do any of this stuff. We it's it's, you know, part we have to bear our own responsibility, Chris. I, I mentioned that in, in the uh, in the conversation with Joe Fried and, and Cassandra. We have a habit of not wanting to admit that we have accidents. And so. As a result, we're constantly starting on the back foot. We're constantly uh, we're constantly backpedaling our defense. And everybody, every sports fan knows that the best defense is a good offense. 
And so when we can start our offense now, we are ahead of the game. We want to get ahead of them. I don't know if you are familiar with the uh, 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 the ATRI, the American Transportation Research Institute, and they recently published a paper about the cause of nuclear verdicts. And in that report, they basically said the plaintiffs are far better organized and they're well-oiled and they're well-financed. The defense of trucking is a cost-based operation. And so we're always trying to control those costs, which are preventing us from mounting an adequate defense. And so we want to, we don't want to, we don't want to raise the cost of that defense. We're here to lower that cost and make the defense more effective. And you mentioned Joe Freed. He, uh, on that Cassandra, the show there. Um, right. Hey. This is Tommy, by the way. Hey, Tommy. Um, and for the for our listeners, uh, Tommy is a uh, a poodle. Um, no, he's a doofus. A doofus. He's okay. a doofus. He, uh, but he uh, he found out I was going to be on the safety dog program, and he says, "Well, I want to be there," so he showed up. There you go. Um, I was going to say, uh, Joe Freed is a prosecuting attorney who plaintiffs, yeah takes the trucking companies to court and he, in our eyes, is the bad guy. And again, I'll, I'll shout out to Cassandra because that was a great show, uh, Joe and you talking about nuclear verdicts uh, and how to avoid them. Uh, you know. Well, and the thing about Joe Freed is, yeah, we call him the bad guy because he's, he's, he's the plaintiff attorney, but Joe is one of the good ones. Joe is a really stand-up, honorable man. He's an honorable man who is generous with his information. And he is also, uh, as he will tell you, a staunch advocate for trucking safety. And we're all advocates for trucking safety. He's just on the other side of the bar. And so when when an attorney like Joe Fry will, will come and sit down at the table and show his hand to everybody, it's an opportunity to learn. And so I have nothing but the highest respect for Joe Freed. And it's Freed. He spells it like fried, but it's pronounced Freed. And I have to keep reminding myself of that. Okay. So he's a really outstanding guy. So he's not like these ugly billboard lawyers or the, or the daytime television lawyers. But he does specialize in trucking cases. And he is a model of not the enemy but definitely the opposition. And as you said, he is gracious to share his information. As I say, this interview that I recently watched with you and him on it was awesome. And I keep saying, I'll put down the the link because I think everybody in trucking should watch that because you and Joe dropped some good stuff in there. But one of the things that you said, and I want to ask you about, because it was right at the end of that interview and you didn't get a chance to expand on it. Driver pay. Uh, How is it that driver pay is impacting crashes or accidents? Well, you know, Chris, when we talk about this, I run the risk of going, I run the risk of going up against my own clients. And so uh, I have to proceed very carefully with this, but, uh, most drivers in 
certainly in the U.S., if not all of North America, are paid by the mile. Mm-hmm. And as, we know, as everybody knows, you've got hours of service rules that limit the number of miles that driver can work in a day. And in what other industry, certainly in the United States, is the is the employer allowed to pay the driver by the piece and then limit the amount of work they can do? The only the only industry that I know of in North America that allows people to be paid by the piece are commission salespeople. And commission salespeople are not limited in their in their ability. So I think it's a fundamental problem in the model. I don't necessarily have a solution to it, but I think there's a solution out there. So the driver has incentive to drive as much as they can, because as we say in trucking, if the wheels aren't turning, you're not earning. And so the model itself uh, promotes fatigue. Absolutely does. And as you said, and I think today with, uh, I don't know if you know, certainly you're aware that in the States you've got ELDs already. Uh, In Canada, we are about to go ELD um, in June of 2021, it looks like. So it's going to be closely tracked. I think in the old days, this model of paying by the mile came up because we wanted the driver to be productive while, while they were out there. And I think some of us probably got paid by the hour and abused our employers. And therefore, they came up with this rate model that ensured we were productive. Now, with the ELD systems and the greater chance of um, not cheating anymore, because I think ELDs have smartened up a lot of the system where we can't run two logbooks anymore. Nope. It certainly has limited us in our earning capacities. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, one of the ways you can do it is just pay the guys differently. Well, and I think we could solve, solve two problems at once, Chris. And the other problem is the so-called driver shortage, yeah. which I personally believe is a myth. I don't think we have a driver shortage in the U.S. I think we've got a retention problem. And when you think about paying the driver by the mile and all of the time, the, the, the actual driving time at 11 hours is, is less than half the time that they're going to spend out there. And so the other 13 hours of the day, they're either uh, in their sleeper or they're in the truck stop uh, eating bad food. And how do we expect people to, to earn a decent living being away from life and, and, and doing that? So, you know, I think there's a solution out there. I just believe that we're so deeply entrenched in our current models that, that we're powerless to, to change out of them. Yeah, and there are one or two, at least I know of a couple, and it's not even a handful. It's a couple of carriers that pay their long-haul truck drivers by the hour. It, there are some, but they're rare. Well, and how about a salary? Um, yeah. You know, when I was, you know, and, and, and the, the general freight category of transportation was all new to me because when I, 
when I left the mobile TV group, all of my experience has been in specialty, uh, specialty and uh, private transport. And so maybe I've got a different perspective coming in from the outside, but you can, you know, if you take what you're going to pay that driver by the mile and you convert that into an annual salary and throw in a bonus or two, I think that somehow you're, you're, you're going to come out ahead. And I do know a couple of companies in the U S that are paying their drivers by salary. So there are some private motor fleets up here that pay their drivers very well. And why is it that they can afford it? And I say private, so they're moving. I'm thinking of uh, a beer manufacturer or beer. Yeah, a manufacturer, I guess. They make beer and they move their own freight. And they, it is one of the premium jobs that a truck driver can get because they treat you so damn well. Well, why can't we copy that model outside of the private carrier and pay the drivers uh, what they deserve um, and well. Uh, yeah. And I think there's, you know, the, the, the for hire carrier has pressures. They've got market pressures. They've got market pressures from other carriers who are willing to do it cheaper. And so I hear a lot about freight rates. I hear a lot about load boards and how, you know, uh, uh, at the beginning of COVID, there was so much capacity that nobody could make any money working, so they just stayed parked. So there's those pressures are very real. Um, but as a as an industry, it's and it's only as an industry that we can change them. Yeah, it's, it's and you and I talking about it. We unfortunately can't change it, and I'm not sure how it's ever going to change because it is so entrenched. And it's kind of like a radical idea to pay the driver something else other than by the mile or by the load or by the ton. It always seems to be by something um, as opposed to a real wage. Well, everything is everything is a derivative. Every number is a derivative of some other number. And so they're charging by the mile. But and so they want to be paid by the mile so that the margin is clear. Um and I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. I, the, I think the answer is clear in private trucking because you can build that margin uh, directly in. But in, in for hire trucking, I think it's, it's very difficult. Not impossible, but difficult. Yeah. And as you said, it's the pressures that those for the for hire trucking companies are under. The shipper keeps wanting to ship it at a cheaper rate. They never check or seldom check safety scores and your past performance. Uh, as long as you got the cheapest rate, we'll give you the freight and go move it. Well, and, and, and Chris, this is something else that 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 in, that conversation with Joe Freed uncovered is that there's a direct correlation. I believe there is a direct correlation between the retention problem and the insurance crisis. Because when you're turning over your workforce at 95% on a good day, how much is it costing you to retrain them constantly and prepare them? We know that drivers in their first two years of experience are going to have the most accidents. It's statistically proven. Yeah. And so it only seems to make sense to keep those drivers for more than two years. 
And so the savings is there. When we're complaining about nuclear verdicts and the increase in nuclear verdicts and uh, the non-renewal of insurance or the 50% increase in premiums annually, there's savings there to, to, to finance these other, other programs. There are ways to go about it. That's for sure. Last question or last topic as we, we switch. You also mentioned something about driver trainers. And uh, uh, trainers. Their seat or their relationship to the trainee as part of the... I mean, we're talking about their physical relationship to the trainee. And here's, here's the thing. And now... Uh, in that conversation with uh, on the Mad Gaines show, we uh, we talked about the Werner verdict, and that came out about four years ago, uh, where the the Werner truck driving through West Texas in the snow, a uh, 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 a rookie driver in the seat traveling under the speed limit in foul weather. And this is what outraged everybody down here, Chris, is a passenger vehicle traveling in the opposite direction on a limited access freeway, loses control, spins across the median, hit the, the Werner truck in the midships, right in the tank, I think, and it killed a child, seriously injured another child, seriously injured the mother. Now, the driver was doing everything right, brought his truck to a controlled stop, and but two things and that that they still sued. So there's one myth that says that if you're not at fault, you won't be sued. You can't be sued. And that's a myth. But the other myth is they they uh, they sued the company and they won a 90 million dollar judgment. And they won that 90 million dollar judgment on two counts. One of them was their policy that said uh, the driver had the option to shut down. In the, in the bad weather, and the other was that they had a trainer on board, but the trainer was in the bunk. And when the trainer is in the bunk, they're not training. They're not a trainer at all. They're a co-driver. We have one of our clients is a risk retention group for a group of motor carriers, and that when I attend their safety meetings, that's one of the main things they, they bring on. When you have a trainer, that trainer has to be training, not sleeping. Because if they're in the bunk, they're a co-driver. And so they lost that verdict partly because the driver wasn't or the trainer wasn't in the front seat. But it was also a critical load, a time-sensitive load. So they were trying to get this load all the way to California. So the trainer was sleeping in the bunk. And you said this is in this is in Texas. This is in Texas, and it was tried in Harris County, Texas, which is a very difficult legal environment. Well, Texas is a difficult legal environment. This uh, is a very difficult legal environment, yes. It rivals Cook County up in uh, Illinois. I know. Yes, it does. It <laughs> does. They call it a, uh, a hellhole. Yeah. Now, the other thing you just mentioned that you hadn't talked about before was the policy and how important policies are to trucking companies. Uh, you mm -hmm. said the policy was that the driver could stop. Is that how you worded it? I, 
It was something. It was something to that effect. I don't have the language right in the front of my head, but the lesson to be learned. And I recently watched your uh, your conversation about policy and what should and should not be in a policy. But the thing to remember is when you get into litigation, and not if. You should be prepared for when you get into litigation. Your policies are going to come out. And if you find that if they if the plaintiff's attorney finds out that you were not following your own policies at the time of the accident, they will hang you up. And so whatever policy language you choose to put in your employee handbook, you better follow it and you better be following it. Uh, all the time. So choose language that you can manage and choose language that is specific enough to keep you safe, but ambiguous enough to not be used against you. All right. Can you say that whole thing again? Because I want to make sure that the listeners heard what you said about policies and how they can either work for you or against you. They could do both. So uh, the policy language that you put in there, if your policy says uh, when the weather gets bad, you shut down. And your driver and you, you instruct your driver to drive through bad weather and that driver has an accident. The plaintiff is the, the all of your information is discoverable in court and they will come back and they'll read your policy to you and say, your policy says this. Right. And what were you doing at the time? You know, why didn't you follow your own policy? So once the jury found out that Werner didn't follow their own policy. They're done. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a it's a plaintiff's verdict. Uh, there's an attorney out of Pennsylvania named Doug Marcello uh, who yeah. recently, you know, Doug, he yeah. put together a video on this and he actually did a mock trial and he hired actors to do it where uh, he very clearly explains in he, he shows, he demonstrates in a mock trial setting what this would look like. And it was just it was squirm worthy, Chris. It was just squirm worthy because the poor, the poor safety manager and the safety manager. I've been there. You've been there. We're just trying to get the job done. And so they're like, yeah, it didn't, I don't know why. And it's over. Yeah. That is fodder for big verdicts right there. Yeah, it, it's, it's amazing. Brendan, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. It, uh, it is enlightening. I'm going to have to ask you to come back one day soon because there's a lot more that we can talk about. Uh, one, I think Accident Plan is an awesome product. And again, the link is going to be in the show notes below. But more importantly, your experience and your knowledge about uh, the courts and how different things can be used is awesome. And I got to believe you have a lot of stories that we didn't get into because of accident plan that you could share of course leave the names out but, uh, sure you know. sure i would like that and thank you chris i really appreciate the opportunity uh to come on with you and have these conversations these these conversations need to be had and they need to be had over and over and over again so i really appreciate the work you're doing getting the words out there and helping these motor carriers to survive I appreciate it. And your contact info is also in the show notes below in case somebody wants to reach out to you. So I Absolutely. thank you so much. 
Thank you, sir. Have a great day, everybody. And with that, I'm going to hit finish. I hope you loved the show as much as I did. Please leave us a like, a thumbs up, a review, a comment, a rating if it is in your heart. Thank you so much. And I do really appreciate your time. And join us again next week for another exciting interview.